0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Losing to a team that was in the seventh position of a playoff spot, the last position of the playoffs, isn't necessarily that bad, especially when it's on the road. But coming on the heels of those two defeats to two and 10 teams, the fact that everything was laid out for this team the week leading into Indianapolis, you, you dug yourselves a, a big hole by dropping those games to Arizona and New England. But you're still alive. You're still the sixth seed. Everything's still in front of you. Go out there, beat Andy, get back on track. And the result was what we saw on Saturday. In a way, Jacob, losing to seven and six, now eight and six Indianapolis felt worse than either of those arizona and new england losses
0: was it because of all the hope you were talking yourself up to and and talking me into because all we did all week long tom last week was say okay mike tomlin has had his trap games in the past and he's never really lost these two back-to-back games against two and ten teams but he's found a way to bounce back after those trap games and we all convinced ourselves or a lot of us convinced ourselves that This was a game that Mike Tomlin can win, that he can rally his guys around and say, listen, we are not the team that to lose three in a row in December to a playoff team. This is a playoff caliber matchup. And you come out and you score 13 points out of the gate and you think, oh my God, this team finally seems to have been prepared for a game that has weighty downs to it. And then Indianapolis scores every point the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, it really was just such a changing from what we've seen changing from the norm with this Mike Tomlin regime, mm-hmm. you know, they've had bad losses in the past, like the Arizona loss that people say it happens every year. I don't know if that's true, but you know, it's the, the classic we, we've Tomlin seen it loss. Before. Right. Not
0: every year, but we've seen it before
1: the back-to-back to back the 2 and 10 teams. We've never seen before. simply because no one in the NFL has seen something like that before teams over 500 losing to teams back-to-back weeks that are each eight games or more under 500. That's never happened. So that was new territory. But still, I had the sense, I think you had the sense, a lot of people had the sense of, okay, every time you think that this team hits rock bottom, every time that you think that they're done, they get back off the mat. That's been one of Tomlin's greatest characteristics as a coach. And I don't think he didn't have them ready to get off the mat. I think he did everything like he normally does, you know, in years past to try to rally a team after a losing streak. For whatever reason, the players, I don't want to say they didn't, get the message because I think at the beginning of the game, it was clear. They came out on fire. If they had come out like they did against India, against Arizona and new England, they would have won both of those games, but they couldn't sustain that kind of level of, of urgency, that level of focus uh, throughout 60 minutes of a game. And again, I, I don't put that really on Mike Tomlin's feet. Cause I think I, I know he did everything like he usually does. And it almost, it always works. They always get off the mat even earlier this year. They had a bad loss against the Texans, which we thought at the time was, was real bad. And they go out the next week and they beat the Baltimore Ravens, which no one expected. To see them not be able to get back on track, to see them not bounce back with a big win against Indianapolis, that really you know, raised a red flag to me that this team is a little bit different from teams in the past where they might not have the ability to a man to rally and to get themselves, you know, cleaned up after a really tough stretch of games and still try to make a push towards the playoffs instead, it was almost the opposite. You know, once the Colts mm-hmm. punched them back, they really never got back on their feet. No, and
0: it's kind of surprising, too, because you had mentioned this last week saying you'll know if the game is won or lost in the first I know, half. and I was wrong. And you they, they came out on they, fire. They,
1: they, it looked they, great. I said to Brian in the studio, I was like, when they blocked the punt, I was like, they're going to win. Like they're the 13 to nothing. This is exactly how the Steelers win these games. They're they making splash plays offense. like.
0: Mm-hmm. Scoring on offense, holding uh, the, the Colts offense, doing a good job on defense. And then the splash plays on special teams, Tom. It's what we've laid out. It's the blueprint to a Steelers win that we've hearkened on so many times before. And they did it almost perfectly to a tee and then once that 13 to nothing lead came it was almost gone as soon as it was there
1: and i know nobody really wants to hear this but it is a big reason why you were able to see the colts start to have a lot of success offensively was the injury to a fitzpatrick following the suspe- the mm-hmm. ejection of Monte right. kz uh trenton thompson now all of a sudden is your number one safety and he was yeah. dealing with stingers throughout the game like he had to come in right. and out so you had no bodies on the sideline left to play safety yeah. And your inside linebackers had already been decimated. You're already down to your fourth, fifth string guy there. Um, Look, I I know everybody is injured this time of year. No one in Steelers Nation wants to hear the excuses today as they're 7-7 and 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 even winning out, you're going to need some help to get into the playoffs now. But it is just...
0: I don't even know if winning out gets
1: you. That's what I mean. I don't think it does. You need help uh, if you win out. But my point being is I also extend them a little bit of I don't want to say an excuse, but an understanding as to why the defense kind of fell apart, yeah, like it I mean... did. Because how are you supposed to defend in the NFL without inside linebackers and without safeties? Uh, mm-hmm. I know Watt was still out there. I know Hayward was still out there. JPJ was still out there. But like, if you don't have Minka, if you don't have your, sa- if you're down to your fifth string safety and your fourth and fifth string inside linebackers, um, you know, even a bad team's going to torch you. And Gardner Minshew and the Colts are an above five hundred
0: playoff team. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned TJ. I mean, this guy had, what, two sacks in the game's first 20 minutes. Yeah, I thought, insane. okay, here comes here comes a career day for TJ, no matter what could happen the rest of the day. This guy, if he wants to be Defensive Player of the Year multiple times throughout his career, he's going to be able or he should be capable of leading this defense without the inside linebacker help or without the safety help. But what we didn't consider is just how depleted those two units have become, and it's this—it's to no fault of the Steelers' zone I mean, injuries happen, but it's just hard when you're dealt this many injuries to specific units to get you so depleted. I have the list right here of the safeties available to the Steelers. Uh, it's something like I think you said, Trenton Thompson is the number one guy, right?
1: Yeah, I—I believe so. I mean, Minka's already been ruled out, and KZ. I know he's going to appeal the suspension, but he's not going to be cleared by Saturday, so he's out. So, yeah, and no, Neil on IR, I mean, yeah, it's it's down to Trenton Thompson.
0: I mean, to lose all three of your start safeties and then to lose two of your three inside linebackers, I had the list right here on the depth chart for the Steelers' remaining safeties. Trenton Thompson, Miles Killebrew, Eric Rowe, who's been on the practice squad. Yeah, he's got a lot lose- of
1: experience. He's a nine-year veteran. He's won Super Bowls in the past, but, like, is he in shape coming off the couch? I don't know.
0: Right, and then do you finally only because of necessity move Patrick Peterson to that safety position? Right, but what Rise do you do? Riley, what happens with your
1: corners helping? though? If you move exactly Pat then Pete.
0: you leave them exposed. Exactly, and then Cause, Henry cause, Black, another practice squad guy.
1: Because I think Pat Pete has kind of established himself as that number two corner next to JPJ. Mm-hmm. You know, Levi's kind of been the one that's fallen off as far as you know, one two on the outside. So I mean, if you have to, if you and you might have to, but if you have to move Pat Pete to more of a safety role, which he did in game against Indianapolis a little bit, Mm -hmm. you're putting Levi back out there. You're exposing your corners now.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's just very dire situation. situation. Yeah, and you know we a lot we heard people we heard Steelers fans in the in the preseason watch the play of Nick Herbig and uh, Marcus Golden saying, "Wow, look how fast they are off the line of scrimmage!" Like, is it possible to have? TJ and Highsmith and Herbig and Golden all out on the field at the same time. Well, now due to the injuries that inside linebacker, you're kind of forced to maybe do that, kind of like you are with Pat Pete uh, moving to cornerback. It's just like you're dealing with all these moving pieces. And again, I, I know what you're trying to say earlier, but you're not trying to make excuses for this team. But you're kind of left with nowhere else to go than to find excuses just because where you're at right now, you're at seven and seven after starting the season at six and three. You have an a a ginormous uphill battle ahead of you, Seattle, Baltimore and Cincinnati with two of those three games on the road. All three
1: of those teams playing well now, especially after Seattle got back on track last night.
0: Yeah. A huge win by Seattle. Uh Jake Browning looking like a legitimate uh fill in for Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he's gonna steal the job, but he can easily He could steal uh, someone else's job next up, year though. Yeah, exactly very well could be Uh, and then of course the Ravens who look like maybe the second best team in all football
1: yeah, it's a tough road for the Steelers. Uh, every, I'm just double checking to make sure this is right with Seattle. No, you know what? They're still in the eighth spot because the Rams won as well and have mm-hmm. the tiebreaker. And we know,
0: we know they have the two games. So yeah, but Seattle.
1: Cincy and Baltimore and Seattle was just a game back. I mean, those are all playoff teams that you have down the stretch now mm-hmm. on the Steelers' schedule. And two of those games are on the road. One of them is on the West Coast. Just ask the Eagles how hard it is to go to Seattle and try to pull yeah. out a victory. It's one of the tougher places to play, tra- especially travel-wise when you're coming from Pennsylvania and you have to fly five hours all the way to the other coast. So it's it's an incredibly uphill battle. And you know we're going to get to Mason Rudolph. We're going to get to DeMonte Casey's suspension probably in the next episode. It's just a lot of stuff I still want to react to about this indie game. Yeah, I mean,
0: as, as, as dire of a situation this game left the Steelers in and as doubtful about, this season, as you may seem, there was still a lot to take away from this game because of the circumstances. Well,
1: and, and my main takeaway was just, and how I opened the episode, you know, you were staring at nine and four in the face. If you had gotten to nine and four, you would have been on cruise control right now mm-hmm. for a playoff spot in the AFC. You blew that, but you're still at seven and six. Now the bat, the, the, the games in front of you become a lot harder for teams that are playoff teams, but if you win all of your games, if you win three out of four of these games, you're you're probably going to give yourself a good shot. But it, it had to start with one of those wins being this game against Indianapolis because you had a chance not only to put yourself into a better position, but you had a chance to knock Indianapolis back. And then the other and what happened is the opposite. Indy gets themselves into a nice firm mm-hmm. position, and you get knocked back into the tenth spot when you're looking at, you know, teams from that 6 to 11 range that are still, you know, having a pulse and still trying to fight for this playoff spot. So, you know, just the fact that they came out and got 30 unanswered points dropped on their head when after all week they had to realize how important this game was if they wanted to make any noise this year, if they wanted to be a playoff team this year, it started in Indianapolis on Saturday. And for a good 15, 15, 20 minutes it looked like you know they got the message and that they were playing like their livelihood depended on it and then after that 22 second touchdown at the end of the first half uh, really following the KZ suspension or ejection and Minka injury you know you go into the locker room and I just I feel like the team wasn't able to pick themselves up they they allowed that kind of deflation to happen and the second half really showed that. They, they just couldn't do anything defensively <coughs> or offensively in that second half, and when Najee comes out and fumbles that football right away, mm-hmm. puts the Colts right in plus away. territory, I mean, you're pretty much cooked.
0: Yeah, let's go over a major sequence of events from the second quarter to finishing with that Najee fumble, which I think essentially is kind of where the Steelers lost their traction in the game. They go up 13 to nothing, and then do you remember that scramble play that Minshew ran where he rolled to the right sideline And it looked like he could have been sacked three times by three different Hmm. dudes. And then he lobbed the ball down the near sideline. And it was like a 40-yard gain. I believe it was to Michael Pittman. Just what could have been such a positive play in the Steelers' direction ended up being such a negative play. T.J. Watt got the sack a few plays later. But then Kyle Walker was assigned uh, tracking the running back who was horse-collared into the end zone and and then scored. And the Steelers are driving, right? Jalen Warren has a beautiful... 10-yard run up the seam like he always does. And then what happens Tom? It's an offensive holding call. So instead of first and 10 in Indianapolis territory, it's first and 15 back in Pittsburgh territory. And then I think it was the very next play, Mitch Trubisky throws that that interception, which leads to the second scoring drive of the half. And then the Steelers have another shot to come out and maybe pad the lead before going into halftime and giving the ball back to Indianapolis, potentially in the second half. They do nothing with it. And what does Indianapolis do? They go down right the field. They go right down the field. They score. You mentioned we open up the second half. Najee Harrod has his second career regular season fumble. And I think you you could summarize that 10-ish minutes as to kind of where everything kind of derailed. Even though there were still 50 other minutes left in that game, that 10-minute span is really where I think the game was lost.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Colts offense ran seven plays in that span and scored two touchdowns. Uh, right. Three plays to score the touchdown at the end of the first half. They punt. They went three and out. Steelers defense did their job coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Najee fumbles. They scored a Mo, They threw a touchdown to Mo Cox the very next play after the Najee mm-hmm. fumble, and it's 21-13. to 13, Just like that. That was definitely a key sequence, and part of that sequence that you mentioned was the interception uh, of George Pickens, Mitch. of Mitch Trubisky, but it was really of George Pickens in my eyes because – you know, do you
0: okay? So I'm I'm curious to know. Do you put that more on Pickens, or do you put that more on Mitch Trubisky throwing it the triple coverage? I
1: put it more on Pickens. I don't know if it was necessarily triple coverage. I mean, the there b- were at least two guys. It there, was a fifty-fifty ball, nearby. one-on-one. Yeah. Whenever you know it was right. all said and done, I don't. There I might have been a Colts ben player in the area. Right.
0: I think Tim Ben said it on Twitter. If George Pickens is always open in single or double coverage, shouldn't he make that catch if it's single or double coverage on that play?
1: That's exactly where I'm at. You know, this guy Pickens has, you know, been very vocal this year. And I think there are some things that he's warranted to be vocal in because, you know, it is frustrating as a receiver when, you know, the quarterback play has been below the line and you're not getting your touches and you're not getting your numbers because that's your livelihood. But then you finally get your opportunity, you know, You've been saying all year, I'm open even when I'm not open. Throw it up. Just throw it up. Just throw it up, you know? And Charlie Batch is mm-hmm. saying on the postgame show, like, "That's receivers say that all the time to you as mm-hmm. a quarterback. Like, every week during practice, you know, I'm always open. Just throw that baby up, you know? You're in trouble back there, Mitch. Just throw that baby up. I'll, I'll take care of things. And then you do it in a game, and Charlie's like, what happens is you get the ball picked off, and then what? what's everybody thinking? And, oh, Mitch. Good job, Mitch. Like, way to go, Mitch. And and it's, you know, it's such a tough spot to be for a quarterback. But Mitch gives him that jump ball. Mitch finally says, you know what, right, George, you're right. Mitch I'm going to throw one up the for you. Down the field. I'm going to yeah. give you your shot here. You're going to get to be on Center Top 10. You're going to be on Good Morning Football. You're going to make one of the catches of the year, catches of the day for sure. I'm giving you your chance. And, I mean, he I, it wasn't even like, a, oh, he took the bad, you know, he decided to jump a little too early or the ball just tipped off his finger. I mean, he just got lost by the yeah I mean just dominated by him and that that was a really troubling look for me especially after all the talk that George has done all year saying you know just throw that thing up to me I can get it well we did and look what happened it's going the other way and it led to seven more points for Andy
0: yeah uh as I mentioned it, it was it was in that sequence of a of a turning point on the game uh it led to the Colts second touchdown drive of the game and I don't want to put the game on Mitch even though like you said we'll talk about Mason eventually coming in for Mitch in replacement with only 5 minutes left. We could talk about that coaching decision as well. Uh and then Mike Tomlin saying that Mason will get the start this week. Um if Pickett can't go, the... of course. Right, 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 right. Which I'm not I don't think he's going to go, yeah. No. Um but it's it's the, it's the right thing to say as a coach. Obviously if your starter is ready, you're going to go with your starter. But yeah, it's it's <clears throat> disappointing because if the, if the blame could be put all on Mitch, we would be talking so much more, even though the Seals are now at, at 7-7 position, we'd be talking a lot more optimistically about this team, but clearly, you know, when we were saying the team, are they going to be ready to go against Indianapolis after these two and 10 losses to back-to-back and back-to-back weeks? Well, we're seeing kind of that loss of focus locker room wide I know when we talked about that last week you were saying the emphasis is more on the offense and the defense well here's your case in point right here with George Pickens who's supposed to be that go get it kind of guy and getting completely mossed by that Indianapolis Colts defensive back
1: I have some criticism of Tom on here too and I think you know where I'm going with this punt <clears throat> instead of a field goal yeah but I gotta be honest with you I was sitting thinking last night like there's a part of me that really feels bad for Tomlin because I really do think, you know, he's given the same messaging. He's, he's trying to, you know, do the same things that have worked for him for great success for hall of fame levels of success all these years. And it's just not getting through to these players, man. Like it, it is falling on deaf ears, and whether that's you know the messaging is getting a little old, I don't think that's the case though, because these are all new players for the most part. That you know, like if the messaging is going to get old to like a Ben or a Pouncy or a Castro, not to say that it ever did, but you could understand that they've been there for ten plus years. These guys are all new. Like this is all new stuff to them. This is all new experience. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it's just not landing with these kids, and I, I'm feeling comfortable calling them kids. Because that's the kind of way that they're presenting themselves out onto the field. mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Tomlin has his share of blames for sure this year. uh, But uh, there's a part of me that has to feel a little bit bad for him because I'm sure he's sitting back going, what the heck do I have to do to get through to these guys? This message just is not working.
0: Yeah, you would have
1: thought. You would have thought this week for sure would have been the breaking point. Like for sure they would have all bought in. And I'm not saying they didn't all buy in, but they didn't have the focus that was necessary.
0: Yeah, you would have thought that the younger these players are, the more impressionable they could be by what Mike Tomlin says week to week in the locker room. And it just seems like <clears throat> the younger they are, the less focused they are. And I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to generalize too much, but there are as you said, a lot of young guys on this team and, and it, it feels like they seem, just seem
1: to know better, right? Like it just feels like they are, oh, we already know how to do this. Like and, and you just don't yeah, I know mean, what it takes George, to be George great.
0: Pickens, not showing the effort, uh, you know. People want to call out uh, his efforts on that long third, uh, third, and I think it was like a sixteen play that went however many yards. Jalen Warren, of course, and he showed a poor lack of effort on the blocking. But Tom, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of pull strings from both sides here. But what do you expect a player to do when clearly this is just a week after week issue with this team? not being able to generate points and and stay competitive in games, but Mike Talmud is doing all he can to motivate these guys to get ready. It's, it's kind of a, a lose, lose situation. If you will, you just don't know really where to put the blame and coaching. Is it on the players? I think I I, I always lean towards the players
1: more. Like, I mean, it always, I feel like kind of leans down to execution more than anything. But yeah, everybody deserves to eat uh, from this blame pie, and Tomlin was so upfront about that in his press conference this week. You know, it starts with me. Forget coaching staff. Forget it. It starts with me. I'm the first person that should, you know, be in the crosshairs for for blame and criticism. Uh, but one thing I will say about uh, Coach T in his press conference this week, you know, uh, he is clearly getting fed up with George Pickens and what's happening out on the field. Uh, you know, he originally, when asked about the stuff, remember the phrase? It was just a pebble in my shoe. You know, mm-hmm. he, that's, you know, he always liked to do that to the public. You know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll give them something, and then behind closed doors, maybe I have a different conversation with George. His tone to the public, to the media, about mm-hmm. the picking situations has changed to the point where he is he's up front and saying, you know, this is a problem, and, you know, I tried to sit down with George and say teams are going to take you away. They are going to game plan to eliminate you for the first quarter of a game because their hope is if you get eliminated for a quarter, you're going to eliminate yourself for the rest of the three. You know, if you get frustrated, you'll quit on the game. And that's what these teams are kind of keying on you with. Uh, He talked about that before the Colts game and then we go out there and we see him with that effort on the Jalen Warren play, the effort on the 50-50 ball in that like so clearly the messaging didn't get through and then again this week in the press conference, you know, he had words about George Pickens where it wasn't, you know, necessarily sugarcoating it. He didn't blast them to the media, but in his own way he spoke in a tone like this is absolutely unacceptable. And uh, Brian Babcock brought up a good point yesterday when he was on Mark's show, Mark Madden, you know, if he is saying something that you know, candid to us, which again, it's not that candid, but in the setting it is, I can't imagine what he's doing to George behind closed doors.
0: Yeah. I mean, we know that Mike Tomlin has a special relationship with a lot of his players, and he does a very good job of toting the line of letting the media know exactly how he feels about certain things and keeping certain matters private. But I can't imagine if it's publicly known how upset he is with George Pickens how upset he is in george's face to george himself behind closed doors
1: now the criticism for uh coach tomlin in my eyes the big one from this game was the choice to not kick the field goal and to punt Mm -hmm. late in the game You, you have a chance to make it a one score game it's a 57 yard field goal boswell's got that leg and then some and oh by the way it's indoors so there's no elements that you have to deal with and this is a kicker that kicks in Acreshoar Stadium in December and is one of the best in history at doing that in that stadium. Uh, it was just a very bizarre decision, and I know you know the reasoning was Tomlin didn't trust his defense on a short field if they were to miss. And to me, I just wonder, well, why didn't you trust uh, Boswell to make the field goal? You know right. why? You're, you're, why you're... was the trust in I don't trust my defense, so I'm just not going to kick this because I don't think Boswell's going to make it. You know why? Why wasn't there a faith in really someone who's been your best player all year, especially scoring points, to make that fifty-seven-yard field goal and get some momentum back?
0: Yeah, I I don't want to use my Tomlin's uh, biggest line against him here, but it's almost too appropriate. You are living your fears by not kicking a field goal because you're worried about your defense not being able to do the job if Boswell misses it rather than trust the guy who's been one of the more accurate kickers in the NFL this year and has been over the course of his entire career. Yeah, That, that, that just, is the definition of living in your fear. you made afraid to trust your defense rather than trusting the guy who's been stellar all season long on special and, teams. And
1: I, I don't think that he was unwarranted to say that he was afraid to trust his, trust his defense. No, I I'm, I'm with you. My the defense, defense at wasn't showing
0: either. any signs of being able to be trustworthy
1: but you but gotta trust your kicker. Not, you gotta you trust your kicker.
0: Boswell. Right, right. Yeah, you, and especially too because the next drive for Indianapolis, Tomlin was proved right. Right, it was a 15 play drive. Indianapolis ran the ball on its first thir- 13 plays of that drive, killing nine minutes of clock time, and they ended up with a field goal. But Tomlin, I mean, I guess you could say in a way he was right because the defense got completely bulldozed by the Colts' offensive line and their running backs that very next
1: drive and one of the main reasons why they got bulldozed by the offense of the Colts was because of the injuries and the ejections that came about Mm -hmm. in the game we're going to talk about KZ getting ejected and then the year-long suspension but we're going to get into Mason Rudolph getting the start to lead off next episode because that's the big news of course of the week leading into the Bengals week Mason finally getting his chance but before we get there I want to tell you to gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of all your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team. At one of the Steelers' official pro shops located at Acrisure Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets, or you just visit online at shop.steelers.com. Rudolph top next.